The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning, Word of Grace. So glad that you have come out on this beautiful day to come and worship together here at church. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning, and we're going to call it Making Change. Over the next four weeks, we're going to cover four principles that I believe, if applied, that can actually change your financial trajectory, and they are all things that God is showing us in order so we can live a life that will bring Him glory, and we can truly know what peace and contentment and loving God truly is all about in the context of managing our finances. And those four principles are this, or less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. And I really want us to get these things down, so let's try this together. I want you to say it with me. Ready? Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. One more time, with conviction, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Now, a couple weeks back, Pastor Keith, he uh, wrapped up our Offended series that we were talking about, and he used some financial illustrations in there, and I didn't know he was going to do that, and I thought that was pretty cool. thought it segued really well into this series, Making Change, because it kind of gets us into thinking, what's really important? What really matters? And I think a lot of these principles, we know at heart, and we understand them, and we know them to be true, and we'll probably write them down and amen them, but living them out as a completely different story. Wouldn't you agree? Something really cool also that we're going to do in connection with this series is we're actually going to have a practical um, small community groups that are going to be happening simultaneously with this series. And we have a lot of different community groups at different times, different days. And you can find those at our website, wogcc.com, under the Connect tab. Or you can go find them at Guest Services, which is the circular counter right across from the big red wall. You'll be able to find out what community groups are happening so you can actually learn how to uh, build a budget, how to put a get-out-of-debt plan together, or whatever the case may be. And it would be a great opportunity for you to connect and just grow financially uh, with other people and learn how to manage and handle the finances that uh, God has blessed you with to steward. So here's the deal. You know, most uh, relationships, they have struggles. And one of the primary struggles that relationships have is the issue of finances, of how we handle them, how we communicate, uh, how we steward, all of those things. And we want to make sure that we grow as believers in that because, number one, it honors God. Number two, it helps to strengthen our marriages. Amen, somebody. And it helps us to plan for the future and be able to also live as wise stewards who can focus on kingdom things. And God talked a lot about that in Scripture, and we're going to be going through Scripture uh, over the next few weeks in that. So get connected to a community group. Make sure you don't miss any of these. I want to make sure that we all grow together in this, that less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Does anyone remember the candy runts? Anybody know the candy runts? You know, the, they're shaped like little fruits, you know, like the banana flavored one is shaped like banana, the apple one's shaped like an apple, and so on and so forth. I used to love that candy as a kid, and it's really a, a, a tart, hard candy. And we were at a Kmart one day. Anybody remember Kmart? <laughs> we were at a Kmart one day when I was a little kid, and they had the little dispenser, little vending machine thing there where you put a quarter in, and it'll give you a little handful of candy. And I remember asking my mom as she was at the checkout register, Mom, can I have a quarter? I'd like to get some runts. And she said, sure. And I was so excited that my mom 
gave up a quarter so I could just get a little handful of candy. But the unexpected happened when I went and put my quarter in the machine. I turned the twist, uh, the, I twisted the knob, and the bottom fell out of the machine, and the whole thing <laughs> comes pouring out. Now, as a six, seven-year-old kid, this is pretty much the best day of your life. This candy comes flooding out. All of a sudden, my little hands that I was expecting to get one handful, I had two. And then two, it just kept coming. So then I grabbed my shirt, and I began to get underneath this machine to fill up as much as I possibly could. And I'm like, this is the best day ever! And I couldn't believe what was happening. So much candy was pouring out of the machine that it began to spill over onto the floor. And all of the attention now is on me with all of this candy. All of the registers have stopped scanning. And everyone's looking at this little six, seven-year-old kid. And he's got the mother load of runts. And my mom went and got a little grocery bag. And she let me dump my big, huge amount of candy I collected in my shirt into this bag, and it was pretty much the greatest day ever. But what mom didn't know was that I continued to eat those candies all day long because I had a never-ending supply. <laughs> and I just kept eating them and eating them and eating them, and I made myself sick, and then I had a colorful surprises <laughs> after that. It was the technicolored, uh, um, uh, yeah, it was just very colorful from me being sick, and I began to think back to that story. When we think about the subject of less is more, we think more is better. We think we need all we can get. I mean, candy is a good thing to a kid, and so why wouldn't more candy be even better? We buy into this lie with everything in our lives that we need more. We buy into this lie that what we don't have is what we really need. And so we chase after the things we don't have because those are the things that are going to make us happy. It's got to be good if it's more, right? And so we just chase after more and more. We think if $1 is good, then $2 is better, right? We think if one kid is good, that three is better, right? We think that more money, more clothes, more cars, bigger houses, whatever the case may be, more candy. We think that it's better, but the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6, and this is going to be our scripture that we really anchor on today, all right? Ecclesiastes 4 and 6 says this, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I'm going to say that again. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Why is one handful better? That's countercultural to everything that marketers and advertisers would tell us, right? Because the answer is what you don't have. The answer is the thing that you haven't yet attained. And so we have bought into this lie that somehow happiness is attached to something I don't yet have. True success is attached to something I haven't yet acquired. And so we spend our lives chasing after trying to hold on to as much as we can and gather for ourselves as much as we can when Scripture says, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. 
Less is more. Less is more. Less of what doesn't, less of what actually does matter uh, and, and not holding on to the things that necessarily we think will bring us contentment and happiness. And this is something that has really been told to us since the beginning of time. It's really the very first lie that was ever told, is that less is more. Uh, I, I mean, I mean the, the lie that's told is, is that you need more. The lie is told you don't yet have what you need. Because in the Garden of Eden, God places the first two people, Adam and Eve. He puts them in the midst of the garden, and he gives them everything they need, right? He gives them everything they could have ever wanted, really. I mean, you're with God. You're in paradise. I mean, we chase after paradise nowadays, don't we? Uh, when we go on vacation, we want to pick the places that look like what? Paradise. That's how they market it. That's how they advertise it. We want to get away and escape to paradise. These guys were living in it, all right? They're living in paradise. I, I'll never forget one time um, we, were, we were in Florida, my wife and I on vacation, and uh, there was a, a family there that was on a tour with us, and the tour guide was asking everyone where they were from. And this family said, we're from Hawaii. And he said, oh, huh. He said, well, that's interesting. I always wondered where you guys went on vacation. <laughs> and these guys were living in paradise. But yet, even though they had everything they needed, the serpent came up to Eve and says, you don't have everything you need. He didn't come up and say, less is more. He came up and said, you're missing something. He said, what you're missing is this fruit, because you see here, you don't have it yet. And God told you not to have it, because God knows that if you have it, you're really going to have the thing that you really want. And the thing that you really want is to be like God, and this is going to be the ticket to get you there. This is how you become like God, is by taking this thing that he told you not to take, because he's holding out on you. And he's really keeping it from you, and that's why he's telling you, no, you're not going to die. Don't worry about the consequences. Just imagine the bliss that you're going to experience if you take this fruit and you truly get to experience what he's holding back from you. And they bought into the lie. And the same lie over and over gets repeated to us that more is better, that two handfuls is better than one, that more candy is better than just a little bit. And we've created a culture of consumerism that continually just perpetuates this idea that I need more. Even though all of us at our core know this principle of less is more. All of us know we've even said things or had things said to us like you can't take it with you, right? We've either said that to our kids or said that to someone, you know, someone who's materialistic, not us. We've said those things. We've had those things said to us. But at the same time, we still divert right back to that same lifestyle of thinking somehow Joy, peace, contentment, tranquility is attached to more. We always think that we're one extra paycheck away from happiness or that we're one raise away from really having everything that we truly need or maybe just one step up in the kind of car we drive or one step up in the kind of neighborhood we live in or one step up in the type of counters that we eat on. Or one step up in the kind of tub that we bathe in. If, if I could just have that one step up, then I would be happy. And we chase after these things thinking that they're going to bring us something. And it's a lie. It's a lie that those things are truly the center of our joy and our peace. 
and our happiness. So we have to understand this principle of less is more and define what really does matter. When you picture yourself with three months to live, what becomes important? When people are asked that question, it gets asked a lot every time that people are asked that question. If you had three months to live, what would you spend your time doing? What's the most important thing? Everybody always says the top three things the same most of the time. Well, God, I want to make sure I'm right with God. I want to make sure that things are right with my family and that I spend time as much time as I can with them. I want to spend time with my kids, the relationships that I have. You never hear someone when they're polled asking them, if you had three months to live, what would you say is most important? Well, I need more, you know, money in the bank or, man, those Jordans. I got to have those Jordans. Um, iPhone 7, that's what I got to have. iPhone 7, three months to live, I got to have iPhone 7. Or that, that new leather sofa or new countertops. Or I really want my Instagram followers to really, you know, take a jump, you know, in the last three months of my life. Um, maybe some Packer season tickets. I don't know, somebody may say that three months before they, they die, depending on where you live in the country. But the case, is, uh, the case in point is that we know we can't take it with us. We know that these things are temporary, and we all get that. Everyone in here is smart enough to know temporary things. The problem is, is that we get drawn into and we get sucked into this idea that more is better. But let me tell you this. Your purpose is greater than acquiring more stuff. Oh, let me say that again because I, I thought somebody would shout me down when I said that. Your purpose is greater than acquiring more stuff. Now, that, that doesn't mean stuff is bad. I'm not trying to demonize stuff and saying that if you want that new car, you want that new stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have better things or to, uh, you know, make sure that, that you have money in the bank. And that's not what I'm saying, living foolishly or, or living without having desires. God knows that we have desires and there's things that we want. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with us thinking that our happiness and our joy and our contentment is attached to us having more. There is something wrong with that. There's something wrong with us thinking that if I could just get that, then I would be. If that's the conversation that we're always having with our spouse or with our friend or with ourselves, where we're saying, if I could just have A, then I could have B, then we're missing out on seeing Christ as enough, and we're thinking that we truly need more things in order to be happy, and that's where we really need to grow in this idea of less is more. So there's what we're going to call less is more living. And I want to give you a few things that we're going to do to experience less is more living. And the first thing is we are going to cut back. We're going to cut back on the amount of consuming that we do and acquiring that we do. Because life does not consist in my abundance of stuff, so I need to cut back. Just think about us for a minute. I mean all of us. And I'm in this boat too, so I'm not picking on anybody. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have a garage at your house? I just want to know. Not everybody does, and I get that. A lot of you have a garage. Now, in the South, where I was born and raised, a lot of people don't have garages. They have what's called a carport, okay? Carport is where you park your car under something that just has a roof, but it's open on the sides. And you're like, well, where do they put their stuff? <laughs> they put it in the garage if they have one. And their garage is packed to the brim full of stuff. 
But then we have a building, or we may have a barn for our stuff. I mean, we have a house for our car, for crying out loud. I remember uh, our missions team telling me about folks over in Haiti that they have this idea that if you're an American, that they give you a car. Like for being an American, like that's part of the government actually gives you a car. That's what they think. That's how they look at us as they say, oh, those people are so wealthy, the government gives them a car. And we, we know that's not true, but we still go out and we buy these cars, and then we buy houses for our cars, and we buy houses and barns for our stuff that we don't have room, and then we put stuff in the basement. Man, I remember growing up, mom always having a yard sale like almost every weekend. We were that house. We were that family. And I would go back to our little storage shed, and I would bring out the same stuff, and mom would go to the store, look for stuff that was on sale to buy to put in her yard sale. That's how sharp my mom was. You didn't mess with her yard sale queen. And we would just have stuff and stuff and stuff, and I remember that. And so I grew up the same way. I wanted more and more stuff, but we have to cut back. We have to first cut back and recognize life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. We put stuff in the attic. We put stuff in storage. And if we don't have enough room in our house, we'll go rent someone else's storage to put our stuff in there. And this is all stuff that we're not even really using, but we want to hold on to it because we think that two handfuls is what I need. I need an abundance of stuff to feel secure, to feel successful, to feel worth, or to feel whatever it is that I'm searching for. But listen, if we go for less is more, less stuff is going to equal us having more time to spend with our friends, to focus on relationships, the things that really matter. Less stuff is going to equal more time with our family. Less stuff is going to equal more experiences. One of the things that my wife and I decided to do a few years ago um, was we decided not to go as nuts at Christmas time as we did previously. We were just going nuts at Christmas. And what we were doing is we were vicariously living out our desires as children through our children by doting on them at the level that we were. So we were giving them an abundance of stuff because we didn't get an abundance of stuff as kids. I did not grow up in a wealthy home. I mean, we did okay, but I mean, there were friends that would get this crazy Christmas, and I never had just a ton of crazy stuff that was given to me. And so I guess when we first started having kids, we wanted to just go overboard. And so we did, man. We went overboard. And then we began to think about it. And we talked one day a few years back and said, how much of the stuff that you got for Christmas do you actually remember? Like, how much of it do you actually remember? You remember a few things, right? Why do you remember those things? Because that was something you really wanted that was special. And you remember those few things. But you don't remember all the little things. I know I got action figures and stuff, but I don't remember a lot of that stuff. I don't remember a lot of the stuff that, you know, was probably in a landfill somewhere. I don't remember that stuff. And I said, what do we remember growing up? I remember taking family vacation. I remember spending time with my family. Those are the memories that I can recall. And when my parents pass on from this life, I'm not going to sit around going, man, you know that thing my dad bought me? That sure was a cool thing. I'm going to think, man, I, I, I remember the experience with him or experience with my mom. And those are the things that are really going to matter the most. So we have to cut back and stop focusing on the stuff. And my wife and I decided from now on, we're going to make sure that we give our children some things they want for Christmas, but we're going to really focus on giving them experiences. So here's what we've done the past few years um, since we kind of took this uh, and put this in our value system, is that we'll get our kids a couple things that they really want, but then afterwards we're going to load up 
and we're going to do something really cool. The uh, past three years, we've loaded up uh, as soon as we get done opening uh, Christmas presents that morning and celebrating the birth of Christ and all that fun stuff. And we loaded up in the car, and we'd go down to Wisconsin Dells for a couple days, you know, and uh, just go down there and have a fun experience together. Or we would give our children, instead of stuff, we'll give them lessons. Like one of the girls wanted to take dance. One of the girls wanted to do gymnastics. We would give them that for Christmas. Give them experiences. Give them skills. Grandma and Grandpa did not understand this way of thinking at all, and they still wanted to dote with stuff, but we tried to get Grandma and Grandpa on board to help them to see, hey, this is where we're trying to take the kids, I and mean, this is what we want them to value. We want them to value our experiences, our time together. We want to just live and not just focus on stuff. So the first thing we're going to do is cut back. The second thing we're going to do is clear out. Clear out as if your life depended on it. Oh, everybody's excited about this. I can tell. We'll go and buy 20 books on how to be minimalists. And maybe read the first chapter of every one. Because here's the thing. We think if I could just have more, then I'll be okay. No, we have to clear out. My wife and I are actually going to be moving here in a couple of months. And we found a, another house that, uh, that, that we were moving into. We're excited about it. So we're in this mode. This is where we're at right now. We're thinking about clearing out, you know, downsizing our stuff, getting rid of stuff. And I began to look at some of the stuff we have, and I'm just like, man, this is so pointless. Why are we hanging on to this? Well, we hang on to so much because often maybe you were like me. You didn't grow up with a lot, and so you feel this need to hold on to a lot. You know, we have these big closets now. The big thing is when you watch HGTV, they're like, oh, that house has a walk-in closet. Oh, okay, that's cool. So you can hang up all your clothes and touch all of them going, I have nothing to wear. I can't find anything at all in this walk-in closet. And so we're really, we've really been convicted lately about going through our stuff. We had a yard sale, and what didn't sell, we took to Goodwill. And one of the things that I really have an issue with, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys, this is my personal struggle, and you can pray for me, is that I have to have sets of things, all right? I can't just have one of something that's in a set. I have to have the whole set. I remember even as a child I had this issue that Burger King had these Disney glasses that had the movie covers on the glasses. Some of you remember these cups. They came in a box that had the cover of the movie on it. And my mom bought me one, mistake number one. <laughs> she bought me the Lion King cup. There were, there were nine more. It was a set of ten. I had to have them all. How many of you guys remember Columbia House Record Company? Oh, everyone groans. <laughs> but you remember the thrill of the hunt when you would get that packet in the mail with all the stamps on them. You would get like 50 CDs for a penny and you only had to give them your soul. Sounds like a good exchange to me. You had to buy like 10 CDs at full price, which was not really full price like you'd get at Walmart or Target or something. Full price was like 30 bucks a CD plus shipping and handling. You just had to buy 10 within the next two years. And so as a 14-year-old, I thought that's a good deal. And I would take the little stamps that had the picture of the album cover on them. You guys remember doing this, don't you? Those of you who did it. You would peel them off and you'd put them on there and you'd go, this is going to be so awesome. I'm going to have so much music. It's going to be so cool. That's where all my paycheck went as a teenager was to music. And I took them off. But here's my problem. 
there was an artist that I wasn't sure if I was going to like or not, but her album artwork looked cool, and I wanted to give it a shot. But the problem was, was that she had two other CDs as well. So I had to get those two. Come to find out, I didn't like her music, but I had three of her CDs. But I couldn't get rid of them because I had the set. And every time someone would put out a new album, I would have to have it because I had to have the set. Same thing with movies. Even if it's a genre of movie, I'm like, okay, I have to have all of those because it kind of tells the same story. I got real convicted over this, especially as we've been talking about moving, downsizing, and as I've been preparing, you know, for this sermon. Um, (laughs) Began to think about my own little OCD of my my little collector mentality because I'm definitely a collector at heart and I get it honest from my mom that I've had to let some stuff go, and it has been painful, all right? So I'm not saying that cutting back and clearing out is easy, but I'm saying that it's painful and it's worth it because you begin to detach yourself from things that you thought meant a lot, but really, in the grand scheme of things, don't matter that much. And it's so freeing when you do it. It's not easy. I'm not even going to pretend with you. Like this is easy because some of you, you're just going to, you know, just kind of do your time here in church today and then go back to your stuff. (laughs) And you're not going to want to think about it anymore. You'll want to distract yourself. Some of you want to go shopping today just so you can kind of get over this message. But there will be some of you who are challenged that want to actually go do something about this. And you want to go quick. Have you ever watched the show Hoarders before? You ever seen those shows? Um, Now, I wouldn't consider myself as extreme as those hoarders But at the same time, I watch those shows, and I still see the same heart in all of us at some level to where they're so attached to things that when the people that are trying to help them come in there to try to help them get rid and detach from stuff, what often happens? They yell, they scream, they cry. Why? Because they have this deep attachment to stuff. And most of the times, you'll walk in these people's houses, or, or, or you'll see them on TV, and they just have stuff piled everywhere, and it doesn't make any sense. There's just stuff, 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 stuff everywhere. And then... When they try to take this one thing out, the person just loses it. And you're just like, this doesn't make sense. Ha, 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 I'd never be that way. Really? Would we? You try to break up my Disney glass set? I will take you down. (laughs) But I began to think, this stuff is in a box somewhere. When's the last time that it got pulled out? There's some stuff worth hanging on to. I understand things that are sentimental, but not everything is sentimental. We make idols out of this stuff. And that's the problem, is that we're making idols out of temporary things instead of allowing our heart and our commitment and our connection be with God and God alone and not to material things. Amen, somebody? But maybe you're struggling like me to, you know, break up the band and to give certain things away or let certain things go. Or maybe it's sentimental. Or maybe you're this guy. Maybe you're afraid you might need it someday. There's always that guy. I'm going to need that someday. And if you're the person who always thinks I'm going to need that someday, ask yourself, have I even thought about or used that within the past two years? If the answer is no, do you really need stuff? So you got to clear out. I've taken this practice into my own life. I have actually thanked books that I have read for their contribution to my life and then given them to someone else. I actually talked to the book. And I've had to do this because I've acquired so many books as a pastor because when you're a pastor, much like a lawyer, you think the more books you have, the smarter you look. 
And so your goal as a pastor becomes to acquire the most books you can. So when people go to your house, they see all your books and they go, wow, this guy's really smart. And you've read like 20 of them. <laughs> Just being honest, you've got all these books here and I'm going, why do I have these? And, and, and the ones that I have read, why are they still on my shelf? I began to think all the books that I've read, and so now what I'll do is I'll go, man, I want to hold on to this because I have all the books this author, author wrote, and it's a set because it's the same author that wrote them all. But then I began to think, you know what, this book could bless someone else just like it blessed me. So I say, thank you for your contribution to my life, and I'm going to let you go. And I began to pass out a lot more books at this point in my life than I ever have, which is hard for me to do, especially when you're breaking up the band. But we got to let it go. We got to cut back. We got to clear out. And we get so overwhelmed. Just think about our life and the way that things are in culture. We get so overwhelmed with stuff. All the movies that are out there. I remember growing up as a kid that, man, there were three channels on our TV and we had rabbit ears in our house. You know, and when the channels weren't coming in good, dad would tell me to get up and go move it around. And I would try to find it just right where you'd move the rabbit ears to be able to get the channel. Now there's hundreds of channels and you have Netflix and you have Hulu and we sit around on a Saturday afternoon and go, man, there's nothing on TV. What do you mean there's nothing on TV? We look at a restaurant menu. You guys ever been to Cheesecake Factory? Has anyone ever been to Cheesecake Factory? What is the theme of that restaurant? I have no idea what the theme of that restaurant is. You walk into it, you feel like you're kind of in like India and then there's, there's like these big, huge columns that are kind of Egyptian looking. And then the decor is kind of Middle Eastern looking. And then they order, then you can order Chinese food, hamburgers, lasagna, or cheesecake. And I don't even know what's happening when I'm at this restaurant. I'm so confused. And I have no idea what's happening. And there's so many options. What do you do when you go in a place like that? I'll just get what I had last time because there's too many choices. They hand you, you know, what looks like a giant, you know, phone book for Chicago as a menu. And then when it's cheesecake time, there's about 200 different cheesecakes and you do all a plain. So overwhelming because there's so many options. There's so much stuff. But we need to clear out. We need to not be overwhelmed by the stuff. If you haven't worn it in a year, it's time for it to go. Hello, somebody. Don't make someone's ribs hurt this morning with your elbow. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Your purpose is greater than stuff. So we're going to cut back. We're going to clear out, and we're going to pay off. We're going to pay off stuff. And we're going to do that through cutting back, getting rid of stuff, maybe selling some stuff. And if it doesn't sell, then you need to give it away if it's something that you're holding on to and there's no purpose for it. This is less is more living. Let's cut back. Let's clear out. Let's pay off because stress is bad, right? Right? Stress is bad. I think we're all good on that one. But the Bible says that concerning debt that the borrower is a servant to the lender. And it causes stress in our life. And the more debt through the more consumption of things, the more stressed out we get. And we know that stress is bad. And we know it hurts relationships. We know it causes divorce, causes arguments. It causes all sorts of tension in our lives. And so we know that debt is not a good thing because we've never heard anyone say, mm, debt helps me feel so much peace. <laughs> no one has said, my monthly credit card payment calms my soul. We've never heard anyone say, owing people brings me joy. But stress causes worry. It causes fear. 
But when we live out from under that tension, and when we're able to live debt-free, then we can actually have fun, that we can actually know we're not knowing anyone. And it's fun not knowing, what, not owing anyone. You know that? It is fun not owing anyone. Man, making that last credit card payment, that last car payment, that, that last student loan payment, man, there is no feeling like making that last payment from those things that you had allowed yourself to get so deep in. Because better is a car that's paid off than one with massive payments that's brand new and shiny. There's some people laughing, some people amening, some people like the massive payments, okay. Better is to have a smaller house than to fight over who spent what, who picked out what, whose fault it was. You had to have this, you said you had to have that. Better to have financial margin so you can be able to help others and live generously than always living on the edge. Amen, somebody? I'd rather have margin in my finances to be able to help other people and not think about it instead of seeing an opportunity to help and going, oh, I wish I could help, but I'm too strapped to be able to help. Less is more living doesn't mean you don't have anything. It might mean you have stuff. It might mean that you have some really nice stuff, but better is a little nice stuff that's your own than a bunch of junk that owns you. It's better to have a little bit of nice stuff that you actually own, not stuff that you're necessarily paying on, but stuff that you actually own, not that Capital One or Chase or BMO Harris owns, but rather stuff that you own than having a bunch of stuff own you. Amen, somebody. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the win. You know, the richest people in life are not those who have the most, but they're rather the ones who need the least. That's truly what rich is. We think that rich people are the ones who have the most stuff, but that's not the case. The richest people are not those who have the most, but instead they're those who need the least because your life is too valuable, your calling is too great, your God is too good to waste your life on meaningless things. Better is one handful and children that you love and being able to spend time with them instead of having to kill yourself working overtime to pay for the stuff you thought you had to have in both hands. Better is one handful and having time to invest in intimate friendships where you're actually having fun with other people. Better is one handful and being able to have margin to make vacation memories with your family. Better is one handful and a healthy marriage. Amen? Better is one handful and the ability and the capacity to be able to invest and make a difference in others' lives and to be able to empower other people. Better is one handful and a passion for Jesus rather than being so consumed with stuff that it becomes a distraction from our life's purpose. So I want to ask you this this morning. What are you going to do with this information that you've received today? It may be new information for some of you, but for a lot of you, it may be just a rekindling, reminding, a rechecking of your heart in this area. What are you going to do with it to see yourself live out this message? And I've been thinking about this because I want to practice what I preach. And I've showed you and shared with you some of my own 
distractions and things that have been my tendencies. And so for me, I am going to clear out some of my stuff. And no, you can't have it. I don't know. Maybe you can't have some of it. I'm going to clear out some of my stuff, some of those books that are still sitting on my shelf that I still need to say goodbye to, some of them that I'll never read, that are just there so they'll look good in a picture, you know. You always see that when you see like lawyers on TV, don't you? There's like a thousand books behind them. They haven't read all those, you kidding me? But I want to get rid of some stuff. Uh, and I want to pass it along to others, not just give it away to give it away, but, but I want to be intentional with the things I can be that can actually be a blessing to someone. Not just giving away the stuff that, you know, uh, is just sitting there, but stuff that I know is good too. I want to clear out some of those things that I've been holding on to that I haven't used in years. And I want to challenge you to think this week about what you can give instead of what you can get. And I want you to find something, and maybe a lot of something, that you can give this week instead of going out and getting something, going out and accumulating more stuff. I want you to think about what could I give because better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So what have you been holding on to that you need to let go of? What are the things in your life that you've been chasing after that, man, it's gotten you into a rough spot because you thought you had to have it because some advertiser told you you had to have it. Some slick marketing team told you that your life would be fulfilled or that you would be cool and accepted or that you would have, you know, an edge on your circle of friends if you had this or drove this or wore this or were able to do this. What have you bought into that has really just caused you a lot of disappointment and pain that's time for you to let go of. It hurts when you do that. It hurts when you start letting go of stuff, when you start cutting back, when you start clearing out, when you start paying off, because it means you're denying your flesh the things that you weren't denying your flesh before. I remember when my wife and I first got married, we both grew up in homes that we didn't eat out a lot. And my family didn't have the money to eat out and when we did, it was a big deal. Um, and it was normally like, you know, once or twice a month on a Sunday after church, which was like something I'd always look forward to after church was getting to go somewhere to eat out. And it was never anything extravagant. It was always something pretty simple. And then fast forward to me moving out of my parents' house and getting married. And this will be 16 years. My wife and I have been married. And when we first started out, probably our first, probably first, eight to ten years of our marriage, we were just absolutely just consumed with doing all the things that we felt that we didn't get to do as a kid while we lived at home. We were consumed with buying the things that our parents would tell us to wait on, the things that we know mom and dad would have said no to, or doing the things that mom and dad wouldn't have allowed us to do as much because now we're adults. We can do whatever we want. And we ate out all the time. And we went and bought whatever we want and we got into all kinds of trouble financially, made a lot of bad decisions where we did just some, I look back and go, it was so stupid to do those things that way. And maybe you're in that same boat to where you're trying to vicariously live through your kids or have experiences that you felt you were withheld from or, or hold on to things that you don't want to let go of. And today is kind of a check up day for you in your heart where God is saying, 
I'm giving you everything that you need. And you truly need to understand that better is one handful with tranquility, with peace, with contentment, than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.